Good morning. Good morning, everybody. I want to thank Church in the City. I want to thank the leaders. I want to thank all those that have been so gracious to Michelle and I. You've looked after us. You've fed us. I've got text messages from James every morning, just in case I knew what to do and where to go, and he was picking me up, and he was dropping us off, and where we were walking, and what was happening. So (laughs) it was wonderful. I thank you just for the privilege of been able to come to all your home groups, the different people that came, just the way you received us, we really, really do thank you. I'm very conscious of the fact that this only happens because of what Christ has done. I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for Jesus. You understand what I'm saying. It's just because of his goodness and his grace. So we just want to thank you. We honestly do. We want to thank the leadership. Uh, we want to thank those that came on the weekend who were able to come just for your openness your willingness to learn, your willingness to receive. And most of all, I want to thank God for what he did. Amen. And what he's doing. All right. God is good. Is he not, eh? Wonderful. All right. If you can turn with me in your Bibles, please. Last week I ducked out and I let Michelle preach. I thought maybe I should duck out and let Steve preach this week, but I think you want a break from him. So, okay. Uh, (laughs) Proverbs. I want you to go to Proverbs uh, 3, verse 19, please. 3 verse 19, Proverbs, verse 19, the word says this, By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations, by understanding he set the heavens in place. By wisdom he laid the earth's foundation, by understanding he set the things in place. There's many of those type of scriptures, particularly in Proverbs, that by understanding, things are established. It requires understanding for us to know what God desires of us and what we can stand in and what we can be established in. You understand what I'm saying? Don't turn there. Matthew 13, 18 says this. When anybody hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand, does not grasp, does not comprehend it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown. So it requires something to be established in us through understanding so we can be established in a truth. And when we're established in a truth, and we know this is God's intention to establish us in something, it comes a little easier. We can trust for it, and it begins to work in us because we know this is what God wants to establish us in. When you establish somebody in something, you set them in. It's like uh, to be sure, to be certain, to be firmly set in. And there's many scriptures in Proverbs about wisdom and understanding. You understand what I'm saying? You're with me. Let me put it this way. If you and Vanessa put food out on a table, on the dining room table, and the kids run in, they know that their mother and father are going to feed them. They know that that's food for them. I mean, if they haven't got visitors, you understand what I'm saying? It's just a normal day when it's just a family. They don't have to ask. They know they established in the fact that the mother and father has set food out for them to come and eat of. Established fact. And there's an established fact in the heart of God that he sets food out for us on a table and he says, come and eat of it. Come and be established in things that I have for you, that I desire for you. And so I want to talk about what I believe God wants everyone sitting here 
to know you can be established in certain truths I'm going to talk about now. You can be established. You don't have to ever inquire of it in terms of, is this, is this not? No. God says, I want to establish you in his truth. So it can be part of who you are. It can work out and through your life. You've got to know God desires to establish in you because it brings an assurance in you. It brings an assurance in you. Are you with me? So I want you to go to the book of Exodus and see the truths. And you say, but you're going to the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament is a type of the new. It's a shadow of what was coming in Christ in the new. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 that we can learn from what, how God dealt with the people in Israel. We can learn from it. There were examples for us. We can learn from it. And so God had shadows or types representing some truth that he was going to establish in Christ in the New Testament. You understand what I'm saying? And I want, I'm going to the Old Testament particularly because I want to show you the unfoldingness of God's dealings with his people and what he wanted to establish them in. We get established in those truths in Christ in the New Testament. But that was his intention even in the Old Testament. Amen. It was his intention. Unfortunately, they didn't walk in it, but that was his intention. And so in Christ, we can be established in those things. So Exodus 14. You never have to doubt this. Never, ever again. Exodus 14. We all know the Israelites being delivered out of Egypt and the journey they went on. So if we go to Exodus 14, let's have a look at the first truth that he wants to establish in there. All right. Just for sake of time, I have to um, just read a certain... Exodus 14 is all about where God came to Moses and said, all right, go. And then Pharaoh decides to chase after the Israelites. He's, oh, what have I done? And he's busy chasing them. And in verse 13, it says, Moses answered the people... Do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you, you only need to be still. Because they've got the Red Sea in front of them, and they've got the Egyptian army behind them. And they hemmed in. It's like they can't do anything. They're stuck. What, what, what do we do? And then Moses speaks this word to them. And if you go to verse 28 of Exodus 14, it says this. Let's go to verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses, because they had already passed through, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea at daybreak and the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The, Lord of, the water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen and the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Imagine experiencing that. The day, that day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord had displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared or went reverence of the Lord and put the trust in his servant Moses. This is the first truth I want to be establishing. This is a truth of salvation. God delivered his people supernaturally. They could not get through by themselves. They could not do anything of themselves. And the Lord said, just stand still. I will do it. This is the truth of the great salvation we have in Jesus Christ. The great salvation. The Bible in Hebrew says it is a great salvation. 
Notice the finality of this. The completeness of this. Not one of them survived. Not one. Completely delivered from the Egyptians. And that's a sign of we are completely delivered from the dominion of darkness. Completely. We might not feel it yet, but it's done in the spirit. And then we walk into it. You with me? Folk, it's a great salvation, and you did nothing to earn it. Not a single thing. You didn't have to be good. You didn't have to give your money to the poor. You didn't even have to come to church. You didn't even have to read your Bible. You didn't even have to pray in a sense. Nothing. You just believed in what Jesus did. And he says, I've rescued you. It's a great salvation, people. Be established in that fact. He has you in the palm of his hand. You might not feel it on a daily basis, but it's a fact. It's a truth. He has delivered you from the dominion of darkness. He's forgiven you of your sin, past, present, and future. Walk in that deliverance. Walk in that salvation. Never doubt it. Never doubt it. Never. It was a final. It was done. The Egyptians finished. It's a sign, a type of what God did to the kingdom of darkness on our behalf. Amen. It was final. They were disarmed. They were destroyed. That's what happens. And he established them. And I encourage you, establish this in your lifestyle. That's the first truth. Your salvation is a great, 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 great salvation. The day you believed, you received eternal life. You received the life that's eternal. So when your body dies, the life that is within you, eternal, continues to live. And it's who you are. You're not going to eternal life. You have eternal life. Hallelujah. Amen. It's just confined to this body at this point in time. That's all. All right, a great salvation, folk. Please never, you, I, believe, I pray God gives us a greater revelation of what our salvation is. As I said, I wouldn't stand here today if it wasn't for Jesus. I probably wouldn't be married today if it, to that lady if it wasn't for the Lord. But he rescued me. He rescued me. And I could not rescue myself. <laughs> he rescues us when we're unable to help ourselves. That's the goodness of God and the love of God. Amen. Second truth. Notice the unfolding progression. You go to chapter 15. Chapter 15 is this great response, the song of Moses and Miriam, as they sing out to the Lord about his greatness and his majesty and what he's done. And it's an incredible, credible song. And verse 2 says, The Lord is my strength and my song has become my salvation. And it's just an incredible song that they sing out, David and Miriam. And then in verse 19, it says this. When first horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters. And I'm just carrying on from where. Then Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand. And all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang, sing to the Lord. He's highly exalted. The horse and its rider have been hurled into the sea. Sing to the Lord. He has delivered me from darkness. Hallelujah. You with me? That's our response. In verse 22, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Sur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Then they came to Marah, however you pronounce it. And they could not drink it because its water was bitter. That's why the place is called that. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, 
these people could grumble. Ma, ma, ma. And these, <laughs> so the people grumbled against Moses saying, <laughs> it rings a bell sometimes, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became sweet. Then the Lord made a decree and a law for them and he tested them and he said, if you listen to the voice of the Lord God, and you do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his command and keep his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases that are brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. That's the next truth. God is a healer. With Jesus Christ, he's established healing. Healing. Healing is available because of the stripes that Jesus bore for you and I. You can pray for the sick people. You can trust God for your wellness. You can trust God for your health. He established it in the old. And even those people grumbled and they never entered the promised land. This generation, the Bible says, they never went without for 40 years. Their sandals never wore out because God watched over them because he said, I'm the God that heals you. Isn't it amazing? So they never walk into the inheritance, yet he continued to watch over them. Don't let anybody, I'm telling you, please, don't let anybody tell you healing is not for today. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what did he do yesterday, in the past? Healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the leper, the blind see, the lame walk, he preached the good news. He still does it today and he'll still do it in the future. He's alive through the power of the Spirit. He does it. Healing is available. Get established in that fact. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, but go to God first. Go to Him first. Go to the great healer first. Are you with me? Take it to Him. Jesus heals today. By his stripes we are healed. He bore our sin and he bore our sickness. Same word, Isaiah 53. Same word. So if he bore our sin, and that word means he dealt with the sin, took our sin away, he bore our sickness, it's got to mean the same. Isaiah 53. That's why I love Psalm 103. Don't turn there, I'll read it to you. And you'll always find healing and salvation go together. And I'm encouraging you, establish this in your heart. Don't doubt it. That's why I'm asking you to be established. Praise the Lord, O my soul, my innermost being in His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits. What are they? Who forgives your sins and heals your diseases. First two things, first two things in the book of Exodus. Who forgives your sins, salvation, and heals your diseases. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good, is he not? Get established in it, people. I want to encourage you. Really get established. Number three, let's carry on reading. Chapter 16. Let's go to verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam, I don't know how to pronounce his names, and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month they came out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community amazing, grumbled again. Ma, ma, ma. These people knew it was. <laughs> Grumble against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, 
There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us out in the desert to starve this entire assembly and to die. (laughs) I mean, in hindsight, we can laugh at it because all they had to do any time was just look up and they would have seen the cloud. And there was the presence of God at day and at night, the fire. That was God with them. 24-7. All they had to do was look up. Oh, God, you're still with us. Oh, okay, you're still with us. (laughs) Amazing how we can grumble and complain when things don't go away. And God is maybe teaching us patience. He's got his finger on the pause button in the meantime just to see our response. Eh? Isn't it amazing? Don't worry, I'd speak to myself as well. Trust me. I encourage you, let the grumbling turn to praise. Have an attitude of gratitude. You know that salty song? Attitude of gratitude. How did it go? How did that salty song go? Attitude of gratitude. What is it? No complaint? Are you humble? What? Say it again. Are you humbly grateful or grumbly hateful? Something like that. Anyway, something like that. You'll get what I mean. All right, so they grumbled second time. Every time they, it's interesting, because every time the Israelites faced a little bit of opposition, they grumbled. Ring a bell? No, all right, we'll carry on reading. All right, let's carry on reading. Verse, verse 8, verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you, because they grumbled they weren't having enough food. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for the day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. So God is not testing them to, to trip them up. He's testing them to help them, to establish them into something, so they can be established in a truth, so they can understand His goodness, understand His provision, and understand He'll never leave them. He'll never forsake them. He'll never do that, because He never did. He never did leave them or forsake them. Never. But he's wanting to establish them in something and understand he's the God that will provide for them. And so if you go down to verse 8, it says, um, Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard you grumbling against him. Who are we? Who who are, sorry, you are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelites, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And then in verse 11, it says, the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat the meat, and in the morning you will be filled with the bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. What does this represent for us in the New Testament, folk? What does manna represent? What does manna represent? The Word of God that you eat every day. It feeds you every day. It builds you up every day. It gives you strength every day. It's a, a light unto your path every day. It transforms the way you think every day. As the Word, as the Word gets established. Jesus said the words I speak are live and active. Do not live on bread alone, but live out of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God your Father. 
God wants us to live in the Word, to be established in the Word. Not for society to dictate to us how we live, but for the Word to be established in us. For the Word. There's an attack on truth, people. There's an incredible attack on truth. Paul wrote to Timothy, and in two of those two books, I think seven times he said, Watch your doctrine, Timothy. Watch your doctrine. Because in days to come, the Spirit says that false will come in. False teachers will come in. Liars will come in. They will deceive the truth from you. They will say this and say this. Watch your doctrine, Timothy. Because liars are coming. And people will say things to make people's ears itch. He says, be established in your doctrine. I encourage you, be established in the Word. Be established in what God speaks to you. Let this be what orders your life. Let this be what orders your life. Not what man says. I'm encouraging you strongly. Because if you stand on this, you will encounter Jesus. Because this truth leads to Jesus. The truth leads to His goodness. The truth leads to His life and His liberty and His love and His glory. Because he will back his word. As the rain and the snow come down from above and do not return to without watering and causing to bud. So my word that comes from above will not return to me void. It will produce what I've sent it to produce. Amen. Please don't let other people tell you stuff. Live from this. Look at this, how you discipline your kids. Look at this, how you treat your wife. Look at this about marriage. Not what the government says. Look at this. There's a huge attack on truth, people. Huge attack on truth. And I'm not against homosexuality in the sense of the people. I love those people. But the Bible says... It's an abomination. That's what the Bible says. Now I've got a choice to make. Do I hate him? Not at all. Not in any form or any shape. In any form or any shape. But I will not compromise in what the Word says. You've got to make a decision, folk. I'm encouraging you. Get established in the Word. I'm encouraging you. Because it's the word that will feed you daily. It's the word that will... You understand what I'm saying? It's bread to you. It's life to you. That's what it is. Because that's what God says. Go out every day and pick the manor up. Every day and pick it up. Let the word... I don't know how else to say it. Just let the word come into your heart. Let the word direct you. Let the word order your life. And I know it's a while because we think differently. And the Lord says, renew your mind by the word. And then you will know the good and perfect and pleasing will of God the Father. Amen. All right, number four, verse 17. Chapter 17, should I say. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They kept at refugium, but there was no water. So the people thanked the Lord. No, they didn't. So they quarreled. <laughs> With Moses and said, give us water to drink. It's amazing. Fourth time. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord God to test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why do you bring us out of Egypt? The same thing they said before, to make us and our children live and die of thirst. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? 
They're almost ready to stone me. He was an incredible leader, this man. The Lord said to Moses, walk on ahead of the people, take some of the elders of Israel, and take what's in your hand, the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go, I will stand before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the, Israel, the elders at Israel, and he called the place Masha and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord not among us? What is this principle? The baptism of the Spirit. Jesus said, the living water that was in will flow from deep within your belly and come out out of you. That's what this represents. This represents the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So God saved them, be established in that. God says, I'm the God that heals you. God says, I'm the one, I'm the living word, get the word in you, and now will fill you with power from on high. Now we'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. And all of this, it's in Christ we got saved. In Christ, the word is engrafted in us. Are you with me? Or in Christ, we receive healing. In Christ, the word is engrafted in us. And in Christ, because part of the ministry of Christ is what? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. He said, I came so that you would receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So part of his whole ministry is that when he ascended, the Holy Spirit comes down. It's part of who he is, if you understand what I'm saying, in Christ. So it's been filled with the Spirit. I'm encouraging you, get established in it. It's part of Jesus' ministry. Um, it's right through the New Testament. Just being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. Amen. Isn't God amazing? It's a truth he wants us to establish in. You don't have to question it. Walk in the great salvation. Walk in the understanding of this healing. Walk in the understanding of his word. Walk in the understanding of the fullness of the spirit. It's amazing how he put it out in the Old Testament. All truths there. Number five. Let's go to chapter 17. Verse eight. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the mountain. As long as Moses' hands were held up, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, they put it under him. He sat down, Aaron and Hur held his hands up on one side and the other, and his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. For me, this is prayer. This is what prayer is. They're praying unto God. They rise in his, Moses' hands up, and the leaders are praying and praying on top of the mountain so the battle down there can be won. The battle down there can be won. And they're praying, and they're praying, and they're interceding on behalf of the people, and the battle down there is being won. Prayer is amazing, people. I encourage you, get established in prayer. Get established in prayer. It's a divine union that we connect with God when we pray. We get to pick up his heart. We get to understand what he's about. We get to hear his voice. He gets to lead us through the prayer and the word. Prayer is absolute. I encourage you, establish, I'm going to say a regiment, that's a bad word, a lifestyle of prayer. Whatever that means to you. Ask God to teach you to pray. Prayer is just communicating with your Father in heaven. And as we pray, 
things happen. As Moses prayed, battle was won. He wasn't even in the battle. He was just praying. And the battle was won. As you pray, you clear the heavenly realm for God to be incensed, to become to work and touch and heal people. You with me? I'm encouraging you. One of the first things that you'll notice that will wane from your life as you feel your heart getting a little hard from God, even as a Christian, is your prayer life starts to go. That's how you'll know. It's the first thing. It's not a criticism. It's just, Lord, I'm not where I should be. Bring me back. Bring me back. Bring me back. So I can spend some time with you. And it's, isn't it interesting, eh, that God established salvation, healing, the Word, baptism of the Spirit, and prayer. And He's saying you can be established in all of these as a lifestyle because I've given them to you to be established in. Let's carry on reading. The last one. Then the Lord said to Moses, sorry, uh, let's go to verse 12. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Ur held his hands up on one side and the other, and etc., etc. Then the Lord said to Moses, write on the scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the memory of the Amalekites or Malak from under the heaven. Moses built an altar there. He called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for the hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. The Amalekites represent something of the the dominion of darkness. That's what they represent. The, The sixth truth is this, is there's a partnership happening here. There's a team partnership happening here. Moses is praying. Joshua is fighting, the Israelites are fighting, and together they win in the battle. There's a, a, a gospel partnership. There's a biblical partnership that's formed. God wants us to know, get established together. Come together. Be established in partnership for the sake of the gospel. Because we need one another. You with me? Because when you eat together... You help one another. You pray for one another. You protect one another. You love one another. You encourage one another. You know all the one another's. And God said, get established in that biblical partnership where your hearts can be knit with mine together and so you can win the victory together. So every victory that James has, we can rejoice in. Every victory that Chris has, we can rejoice in. Every victory with that little boy, as he gets better, we can rejoice in it. Because it's we. you with me. God really does not like us operating as a loner. He puts us with people. He puts us together. Banner of the Lord is over us. The Lord revealed part of his name. I am the Lord God. My banner is over you. My banner is over you. He made a decree. He said, tell, is it interesting? He said, tell Joshua. Tell Joshua. Because we notice later on, Joshua had to fight the Amalekites again. God made a promise that he would destroy the Amalekites from under the, in other words, that tribe or that whatever you want to call it, would no, there would come a time when they would no longer exist on the face of the earth. Do you know who the person was that brought that about? 
a lady called Esther. That's what the book of Esther is about. Wonderful truths in it. But she was the one that ultimately brought about the total annihilation of the Amalekites. Isn't it interesting? I believe personally that King Saul, 1 Samuel 15, where God said, I want you to go fight the Amalekites and I want you to destroy everything, including the king. Do you remember that? And he kept the king alive and he kept some of the sheep alive. And Samuel came and said, what is this bleating of sheep I hear in my roof? And it was at that time the Lord says, you will remain king, but I'm going to take my presence from you. Because I believe that's what God called Samuel to do. I'm Saul to do, King Saul to do. It was one of his main purposes that he was raised up as king. Was to fulfill what God promised to Moses and Joshua. He didn't. So he raised up a lady. Esther. Sometimes God gives you folk a promise. You won't see it fulfilled. But he's saying to you, tell the generation to come what God has said. Tell the generation to come what God has said. Because they will be the generation that bring the finality of what God has said. The purposes of God. Even in your own family, God can give you a promise, but it will be fulfilled through your children. Because God sees us as generations. He doesn't see us as individuals. He sees us together as a tribe. You understand what I'm saying? As a church, as his body. As his church. Amen. So I'm encouraging you. Walk in this truth of salvation. Walk in or establish the truth of salvation in your life. Establish the truth of healing in your life. If you want to get into the word and see in Christ we have healing. Establish the truth of the word in your life. Establish the truth of prayer in your life. Establish the truth of of working together in your life and establish the truth of the Holy Spirit. I left that out. Holy Spirit in your life. Those are the six foundational truths that Christ wants us to walk in, that Jesus wants us to be established in. So when you come to the table, you don't have to ask. You can just eat. Because it's yours. One on the cross by Jesus Christ. Amen. And I feel God wants to establish this church into every six areas like that. So it just becomes part of who you are. You never have to question it. We're saved by grace through faith. We're healed by grace through Jesus Christ. His word is powerful. His word will direct our lives. The Holy Spirit is the enabler, the comforter, come to help us, to empower us, to walk us, to teach us, to show us Jesus, to speak to us the Father's will. You with me? We pray together so we can win together. And then, in praying together, we're a team together. We partner together for the sake of the gospel. So I have you on my heart. You have me on your heart. We love one another. We help one another. We work together for one another. Be established in that as well. Amen. Because when he's weak, she's strong. When Steve's weak and weak and weak and weak and weak, then he's strong. Okay. Okay. Or Debbie's strong, shall I say. Amen. I'm encouraging you. Hallelujah. With all that God did with you this weekend, establish yourself in these truths because they stabilize us. They stabilize us. That's what they do. They stabilize me. It stabilizes me. Amen. And I can trust God. I can trust God for it. Amen.
if you're sitting here this morning and you feel like you're not established in salvation, you're not sure, God, I don't know if I'm really established in this great salvation. And you want to be established in this great salvation. Why don't you raise your hand? Just raise your hand where you are. You just want to say, God, I want to make sure I'm established in this great salvation. Anybody here? One. Anybody else? I just want to make sure, because of what you've done at the cross, bless you. We'll pray for you now, okay? If you sit in here and you're saying, Lord, I want to be established in the understanding of healing. I know it's your will to heal, your desire to heal. You want to be established in this. We'd love to pray for you. God, establish this truth in me. You with me? If you sit in here and you're saying, God, I want to get into your word. I want to understand it. I want it to be established in me. Open up the eyes of my heart. Give me revelation. Let me be established in your word. Let, this conf- let my life be conformed to this. Let my life reflect this. You with me? Or maybe you're standing here and say, Lord, I need to be established in the baptism of the Spirit. Maybe you've never been baptized in the Spirit. You don't have to understand it all. That will come. But Lord, I need to be filled. I need to be empowered from on high. I need your touch on my life. Or you're saying, Lord, my prayer life is not where it should be. I want you to establish me. I want you to work within me to put a desire in me to spend time with you. You see, we're asking him to do the work in us. It's not me trying to do it. Or you're saying, Lord, I really want to belong. I want to be part of a team. I want to belong. I want to play my role. I want to be part of what you're doing. I want to be established in this.